Traveling the Vortex Join the Doctor as he travels the vortex and crash landed at episode 573 where we're just now realizing the mavity of the situation. Alons, as idiots say, E, I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's everybody doing this week? Getting over a cold. Uh-oh. Oh. Yeah. It's not good. That's no good. It's that time of year, it's on, Yeah, it's, it's on the other end of it, though. Poor Gemma has a really bad cough and is having taken antibiotics to try to take care of it. That's what I was going to ask, if you were passing it on to your little ones. No, they were passing it on to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do anything, watch anything, listen to anything, read anything? I finished a book, as I want to do often. <laughs> I've, I read uh, Star Wars Crimson Climb, which is the story of Kira um, during the events of Solo as she climbs the, the ladder of Crimson Dawn. Oh, okay. It was uh-huh. good. I really liked it. I think it left things kind of in a place where I think I needed to have read more of the comics of what they've done post solo to understand what they were setting up either that or they were just setting up a sequel and I just didn't quite understand that either Mm. but the rest of the ride going through it was really well done same author who did all the Padme books and the Ahsoka book so Mm. she's got a good track record and this is another good installment in that kind of series I'm genuinely hoping we still get another solo movie that focuses on the underworld uh, crime syndicates in the in the Star Wars universe. I well, don't think we will. But well, if not a film, we might get a series. They did a whole line of comics on it, War of the Bounty Hunters, which I haven't read either. But I think the series would be really interesting because I didn't realize it. I'm sure they established it in the comics that... Maul wasn't the head of Crimson Dawn. He was in charge of everybody. Hmm. The Huts, he, uh, the Pikes, um, the ones that were from Shadows of the Empire. Oh, um, Shizor's um, Black Sun. Yeah, yeah, Black Sun. He was literally pulling the strings on everybody. Hmm which I thought was a really cool review and <laughs> they could definitely explore more of that somewhere. Yeah. What about you, Sean? Um, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> like I said, it's been kind of a quiet week. I've had a ton of work, uh, keep me busy. And all of the things that I watched were pretty much podcast related. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about them yet. Me too. For the most part, although I did get, um, well, an, an audio listen to, um, I'm going to uh, review Doctor Who Decades Collection 1960s, 70s, and 80s, which is another grouping. Keith, a couple of weeks ago, did the um, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s collection. And so uh, we kind of split this up, and I did the first part. He got his done before I did. but <laughs> So that's going to be my something new two-minute review. All right. Well, the uh, it's split up into three different books, um, each for a different era. Uh, the first one is called in the company. No, I'm sorry. Is called uh, Imaginary Friends, and it's probably the best of the three. Showing my hand here, but um, it's about a little boy that keeps having dreams, 
And in these dreams, he's in these the adventures with the doctor. He starts with the first doctor and he's having these adventures with the doctor and um, Susan, Ian and Barbara. And so he's essentially there, but he's not there because they don't see him. They're not aware that he's there, but he's aware of everything that they're doing and their adventures. And then during the day, he has to sort of process this and the way that he processes it is he, you know, is drawing pictures or making stories. And of course, he's getting in trouble at school because he's making up these stories. But his mom, who's a very sympathetic um, person to his plight, is very uh, helpful. And she ends up getting him a bear called Dr. Bear. And Dr. Bear is kind of his way to associate what he's experiencing in these dreams. And I won't go any further than that because the, the gimmick and, and, and the reason why it's happening is really cool. Um, but that's, it's just such a wonderful story. The second one's called the cradle and it's about a girl named Seema and her, I like to call this one, the magic school bus because <laughs> they end up on this blue school bus, um, that ends up being kind of this, um, it's, it's sort of trapped them there and they have to sort of figure out how to get out. The 12th doctor shows up and, um, kind of helps them work through what this is and where they're at. I thought the story is a little bit slow paced and I think that's to its detriment, but it was a good story as well. The last one, and I thought I would like this one best because it has the fourth doctor in Romana and it's called, uh, the self-made man. And it's about this genius kid whose father had found a piece left over from the Cybermen from the invasion in the underground. Ooh. He worked in the underground. And uh, or in the sewers, I suppose. Bob returns. (laughs) Yeah, the sewers. (laughs) Anyway, he ends up with this tech, and I can't go any further without giving uh, things away. But it starts out as this mystery of these people that are mysteriously dying, and so that's about as much as I can say about that. Again, least least favorite of those, but all three of the stories are definitely worth a either read or listen to. And and that's my uh, something new two minute review. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Cheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrence Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Well, should we talk about news Yes, uh, an official Doctor Who podcast has released uh, following each episode of the specials, uh, which features 
Bits with Russell T. Davis and hosted by Juno Dawson, Tyrell Charles, and Crystal D. And Juno Dawson, of course, she was the uh, she was the writer on Doctor Who Redacted, and um, Crystal D. is a, a YouTuber, doc, uh, Doctor Who YouTuber, and I'm not familiar with the uh, the other guy, um, but I think he's been uh, affiliated with Doctor Who uh, media as well. So he's a, according to the official press release, he's a pop culture TikToker and movies podcaster. Ah, okay, so there you go. Yeah, the other two I had known he's previous. Been doing stuff for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other two I knew previously, but I I wasn't aware of him, so I hadn't listened to or looked watched anything he's done. So, mm-hmm. um, got a chance to listen to the first one. I enjoyed it. It's it's kind of a nice little inside look um, to some of the actually it's kind of an inside look into Russell's mind because they do the little cutaways uh, to these little Russell statements, and then they talk about what he says, and for the most part, they talk about you know the it's more of like a review podcast for them. And they talk about elements of what happened and things like that. So it, it's kind of what we're doing. We just don't have Russell on the, on the podcast yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yet. No. <laughs> I was a little surprised. It was more of a review type podcast as opposed to a more detailed talking to the cast and crew type podcast. Mm-hmm. I kind of the official ones tend to be that way. Well, I kind of wondered if maybe they were trying to stay. I think, <laughs> I think what they're doing is they're trying to move into. <laughs> how do I say this? I think they're trying to move into our lane. I mean, <laughs> not well, just yeah. us. I mean, ta- I mean, I'm talking Doctor Who podcasters in general. I think podcast lane. They realized, yeah, they realized that they've gone for what, seventeen years, eighteen years, without <laughs> having an official podcast and so everybody else has been doing it so now they think they're finally getting on board with an quote-unquote official one um which is fine i think that's that's great i i don't disperse them disperse them anyway because uh i think that you know the more voices out there the better even if they're you know official or unofficial voices and i really i enjoyed listening to them it was they they had some nice little insights to what they thought about, uh, well, particularly the the episode, and then and then again, I, I liked hearing the little clips with Russell, and yeah. I think the reason they're not doing the more documentarian kind of thing exactly <laughs> is because they they would be competing with with Unleashed, and I don't think they want to do that. So yeah, yeah, I was just surprised by it, knowing what it's going to be like going forward. I I don't think I'll have any issues with mm-hmm. it. I was just thrown. It was like, just a surprise. It yeah. yeah, right. And then our other piece of news. Oh, big finished announced. Uh, Old Companion is returning to 8th Doctor's side. Yay! In a January 2024 story, the Santarans versus Rutans <laughs> audio drama series. So as if an old companion, being Chris, <laughs> uh, wasn't enough to get us excited... A Santarans versus Rutans audio. <laughs> right. It's like a double whammy there. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Paul McGann and India Fisher, you know, with Conrad Westmoss as Chris. That's that's gonna that's bound to be a win right there. Mm-hmm. I, I find it interesting that Big Finish came along and they started doing Doctor Who stories with the with three of the previous doctors, David Tennant, not David Tennant, <laughs> Peter Davison, <laughs> not yet, eventually, Peter Davison, 
Sylvester McCoy and Colin Baker. And they continued their adventures in between stories that already had happened. And so they were kind of fitting them in where they could, cleverly fitting them in. And Paul McGann comes along and he has all brand new stories because he's only has the movie. And here we are, what, 25 years later, and we're going back and inserting <laughs> stories into <laughs> Paul McGann's own. initial run, which I think is kind of cool. <laughs> With their own companions. Uh, the I spoke a little wrong. It's not a box set. It's an individual story because mm-hmm. it's going to be released in monthly parts between January and April, which weaves us through the lives of the third, sixth, eighth, and war doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. The uh, cover art on it looks really cool, too, with the Santons yeah. and the glowing root town in the middle. Sean, you've been quiet. I thought you'd be super excited that Kariz is back. Chris is back. Yay, cool. Rutons. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> you're, you're, you're burying the lead there. <laughs> Finally getting the Santar and Ruton war. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the one that we haven't that's, seen yet. That's the news right there. Well, no, I, I'm, we haven't I'm done excited. we haven't done shakedown on the show yet, so maybe that's a that might be a reason to put shakedown on when we there review that we could do that with all, all of a sudden there's an opportunity yeah that's right <laughs> this is tim trelaw this is david j howe i'm peter purvis i am sadie miller this is lauren cornelius larry it's fraser for all things in the doctor who collecting world and beyond the doctor who collectors podcast I'm Larry Van Mersberg, and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30. That's our doctor. Then one to three hundred for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, let's move on to our next... uh bit which is i suppose do we want to talk a little bit about an adventure in space and time now i haven't had a chance to see it but we all are aware that um they have done some edits to the one that they showed on the 23rd a couple weeks ago um they showed the and if if, for listeners that may not know this is the um william hartnell uh, docudrama uh starring david bradley as william hartnell and it sort of talks about it shows how he became the doctor and his, you know, it's kind of a, a behind the scenes docudrama uh, happening at the time of his tenure as the doctor. And when this first aired back in, uh, well, let's see, would have been 2013. 2013. Um, at the end, it's, it's no spoiler here, but at the end, <laughs> as, as uh, David Bradley's, or I'm sorry, as um, William Hartnell's filming his last story. Um, there is a really nice moment where he sees a glimpse of the future and he sees Matt Smith standing there 
as the doctor and sort of it's sort of a glimpse into the, the you know there's there's a lot of life and he's passing on a legacy that's going to go on for a long time and in this particular case they have this time that they aired it they edited that piece out and put uh Shudi Gatwa as the doctor in well presuming he's a, he's he's in there in the capacity of the doctor but uh they've put him in there and so which I think is really cool. I don't, I mean, if, if the other one was not still available out there, then, you know, I suppose there could be an argument that they're changing things for the sake of changing things. But I think that, I think it's a, it was a really, especially in an anniversary year. And Mark Gatiss, who wrote the story has said that they shot that scene so they could insert pretty much any doctor they needed to in there. So it was, at least if he's, you know, being truthful about it, that was something that he had some foresight about anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I think I thought it was pretty cool that they did that, especially because it advances that idea that not only in 2013 had it gone 50 years and continued from that initial um, series that Hartnell did, but now it has gone an additional 10 years and we're in the 60th anniversary and there's even more uh, monumental changes that are happening within the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that that serves as a example of the, um, how long lasting his service has been to the show. I think it's a nice touch to, to change it. I did watch the clip of it on YouTube and thought, thought it was pretty nice. The ironic thing is, the night before, I had actually just popped in my Blu-ray and watched. <laughs> oh, is that right? So you'd watch the one with Matt. <laughs> yeah, and then turn around the next day of or next day or the day after and found out. Oh, look, they did a bit with Shooty. That's kind of <laughs> cool. So I have not either gone back to rewatch it again to see the full thing in context. But the YouTube clip that they they posted, Shooty did a nice job, and it was it was pretty nice. Yeah, I also watched the clip, and I agree that I think it's very cool and uh timely that they're able to uh you know drag this back out and and and, uh, insert new doctor here i will say it felt just a little hollow when uh shooty showed up but i think more than anything that's because we had already seen matt smith in action when the 50th rolled around we mm-hmm. knew what kind of doctor he was going to be. We had, you know, grown to love him. And so we were about to him, say goodbye to him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So for, for him to show up in that capacity was suddenly this kind of extra little, you know, twang on the, uh, the heartstrings versus Judy showing up feels more like a promotional stunt just because we, we, you know, at this point he's just a face and not a character because we don't know what kind of doctor he's going to be. Um, I will, totally eat these words once we get a couple of seasons of shooty and then i'll go back and watch that clip and go oh yeah totally you know mm-hmm. <laughs> now he fits but well but right now it's it's, it's just a little eh, okay yeah i i mean i can i kind of see what you're saying but i don't think it matters what his performance of the doctor is i think the idea is that the 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 performance has transcended so many different people it's transcended so many different you know now genders and now race and so mm-hmm. i think that it's more no matter how he portrays the doctor he is the next doctor and i think well, the not so much the, is betrayal but but just the fact that it doesn't have the him. emotional impact because yeah right 
Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I suppose. With, yeah. With, 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 with Matt Smith, I had had a couple of years to get to know him mm-hmm. and to, to care about him and become attached to him. And then to see him show up and there was that added emotional impact versus Shooty where the excitement's there, but I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily invested yet. I see. Okay. That makes sense. What's also interesting is that they had to edit out some of the dialogue from an under <laughs> child because of, <laughs> of that whole drama that's going on there. Which, you know, neither here nor there. Hopefully I'm sure they can put it back in. Yeah, right. <laughs> for future Eventually. That's just funny. <laughs> well, speaking of William Hartnell and the first Doctor, our uh, first review this week, uh, we will be getting to the special very soon, so just hang tight, listeners. But uh, we did get a chance to watch the Daleks in color. And while we're not necessarily going to review the Daleks again, we are going to <laughs> talk about uh, the changes that were made to this in order to make it a, a shorter, faster-paced, more omnibus uh, version of the, the story. Keith, you want to go first? I like the colorization. I did not like the editing. Mm, really? I thought it, it, at times it almost made the story harder to follow. There were a lot of jumps and things that were cut that I was like, well, wait, wait. Especially like as monotonous as some of it was, Susan going back to the Daleks village or city after going to the TARDIS to get the drugs and stuff. All of a sudden, snap, she's back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, what? They're, they're all of a sudden talking about the girl. I'm like, wait a minute, what girl? Oh, Susan's back. <laughs> it was it was very abrupt and very uh, kind of jarring. And then I feels like they cut an, so much of the foul stuff out of it that I don't have any emotional investment in their characters and don't care about them anymore. They're almost a footnote to the story, the way they cut it together, in my opinion. I agree, but but they cut enough of that out, too, that I think that it didn't matter because I think what it did well was it put the in in that in that respect. I think it put more of the focus on the doctor and the companions, which I that I liked about it because I didn't feel the Daleks has always felt like two halves of a story or or two different stories. We've got the story of the travelers showing up exploring the city, being captured, and having to escape. And then the second half is them meeting the Thals and helping the Thals get the food they need because they theirs is very scarce. So it's always felt like two different adventures in a way, and part of that's because mm-hmm. it's such a long story. I think by cutting the, the Daleks part of, not the Daleks, the Thals part of this, I think for me worked a little better because... If you're going to get rid of anything, get rid of that second chapter, because really all that matters as far as telling this story is or telling a Doctor Who story is more the focus on the Doctor and the Companions, which I think works for me. So and then there's still enough of that element when they do team up with the Thals, there's still enough of that element of the focus on the Doctor and the Companions. But but I, I understand I can I can see what you mean. And I think one of the things that. That was the only place that I, I agree with you that it felt like it was cut up poorly because she's suddenly back. And in fact, they have to rely on her explaining to the doctor and the companions that she had two versions of the medicine and they took one, but they mm-hmm. let her keep the other one after she had had that 
whole conversation with the 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 one Thal about doing that, you know, to uh, getting that medicine back in just in case. So I thought that was kind of a weird edit, a weird jump. But beyond that, I didn't have a problem with a lot of the edits they did. I felt like it it really livened the pace of it. I think it moved it along. I don't think it lost a lot of um, story. I don't think it was, I don't think there was edits that made it confusing. I think part of us coming to it, knowing the original so well, is we probably tend to miss the things whether they were needed or not, we tend to miss them because it's more obvious to us what's missing. And it's more obvious to us what, what we know about the story. So that might be part of it too. I thought it was ironic that they cut so much other stuff and left so much of the traversing the cavern and across the gap. Hmm. The chasm as much as they did when they mm-hmm. could have, because there's no references to the people they lost after they lose them, right? You know, right. in the story, right? So they easily could have just skipped a lot of that and have a little clip of them, a couple clips of them going, yeah, and then popping yeah. up in the city, and it would have been fine, and they could have had time for more other stuff. But I think that the the reason why they did that is I think they focused on action, they focused on movement, and that's action and yeah. movement. Now, yeah. let's be fair. It was still a lot shorter than it was originally. That's true. That's very true. So I think that's probably what they were going for was was action and movement to keep the viewer, especially a young viewer or a new viewer or somebody that maybe has a shorter retention span than us. And so I think that there's, I don't know how you can have a shorter retention span than me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I think that might have been part of the reason why they left that because it is something happening, you know. And what was also interesting was they, they added those clips sometimes when they were talking over, you know, cutaways mm-hmm. or reminders of things that have happened in, mm-hmm. in the past. They'd and show I, us flashbacks. Obviously, that was to, you know, help those with the shorter attention span, too, right. which I didn't really think was needed. But that's also because I know the story so well. You know, what I think also was done well is they would they would not not too many times. I don't make it. I was about to say constantly, but it wasn't constant. They, but they did it effectively where they would cut back to the two Daleks talking to each other and showing us on the screen and giving us a little bit of that exhibition while they were on screen. And I think some of that was even new dialogue between Briggs and I cannot remember the name of the guy that voiced the Daleks in this, who both came and did uh, some recording, extra recording, but that was a way that they used to move the story along with just sort of some narrative without having to show us what happened. And I thought that was a clever way to do that. The color looked pretty good. Now I, I, I really wish they would take some attention to upscale that video. What I want them to do is I want them to give some of this old video that they've you know, run through Vidfire that they returned from the uh, video or from the uh, film quality to make it look like the video quality. I've always thought the Vidfire process is great. I always thought they look good, but I think now they need to take that uh, Peter Jackson approach. And I think they need to put that through some AI and even clean that up even more. Because mm-hmm. when you look at what they did with the footage for get back with, you know, footage that wasn't, some of it wasn't even shot for the film that would have made it in the film and they cleaned it up so nicely. I think that they could put a little extra attention 
if you're going to go ahead and colorize it, put a little extra attention to clearing up some of those blurry lines too, because that, that was still a little distracting to me. Not so much when it was in black and white, because you realize that it's old and maybe your brain kind of puts you in the, the mindset that this is old, you know, video that they've, or old film that they've recovered. But when you put the color coding on it, suddenly my brain thinks, ooh, brand new. So when you've got some of those fuzzy scenes that are nicely colorized, then I'm kind of, they almost stay, they almost stick out to me. So if anything, I think they need to go, they should have gone in and maybe it's, it's just not cost effective, but I kind of wish they had gone in and, you know, fixed some of those blur, blurry screens, scenes up. Yeah. I, I had the same thought a couple of times that, Ooh, I wish this was a cleaner footage. And mm-hmm. I don't remember it being this almost not necessarily bad, but this poor quality mm-hmm. when it was in black and white. Yeah. Well, that's why I say, I think maybe our brains, don't, it doesn't, we don't, we don't zero in on it so much because it's not in color. It's in black and white. So we expect it to kind of have some age to it. Mm-hmm. Sean, you're awfully quiet. Insert prices, right horn here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, for something that I was so very hyped about, I came away from this. So very disappointed. Um, the, the 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 initial reaction to the colorization was wow that looks really pretty good I'm, I'm very impressed with that until they got into the Dalek City and for whatever unknown reason decided that uh, the, the the highlight colors of the, the the city should be gold which did absolutely nothing but bring out the wood grain of the walls mm-hmm and it suddenly became plywood. Really? The magic of the Daleks is from the first time I saw it to the last time I saw it, that is an alien city. Yeah. The fact that the doors are funky shaped, it, it does not look like something man-made. It looks like some alien race lives there. And I buy it. I buy it every single time I watch it because it's sterile. And they talked about the fact that there's no people around. And the black and white so lends to that because it looks like it's got metal floors. It looks like it's, you know, it's all kind of gleaming shades of gray. And my brain buys it. And as soon as you put that gold hue on there, it looks like a, a, a plywood wall that the set it, it suddenly became a set. Huh. And it just shattered the whole illusion for me. I didn't buy any of it. I didn't notice that at all. I, I mean, oh. I th- I loved the idea that that it had that gold sheen to it, and it, it was just it was more of a trimming thing, is what it was. Yeah. But I but don't it, think I noticed any wood grain. Yeah. No. It just it, it it just popped for me. It was like oh, hmm. and then the interiors with uh, a lot of blue. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which I think also is is is. is kind of a detriment to it because it it suddenly I guess there's an element of it that maybe makes sense because they went with the blue Dalek bumps mm-hmm. uh, you know that model of Dalek but Daleks have no interior design uh, you know they, they, they're, they're not they're not going to paint the floor blue and go yeah that looks good they don't care it's it's you know form over or function over form and uh, so making it 
uh, and, and taking a page quite literally out of the uh, the Cushing movies with these kind of bright, garish colors for the city, that didn't work for me. And it was like, you know, I think I know where they were going for it. Is I, I think they were really trying to kind of lean into the Cushing aesthetic because they could. But it, it just, yeah, no, it was well done. It was All of the colorization was exceedingly well done. There was not a single yeah, moment they have, where I felt like this was a uh, Ted Turner. They have finally drop, gotten, you know? they finally gotten actors' teeth and eyes right mm-hmm. so that they actually look white and not dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but, um yeah, up beyond that, uh, that's about the only nice thing I'd say about the colorization. Hmm. The edit was worse. <laughs> oh, my God. How can you take this 19-part story, This 15 <laughs> of those parts are jumping over this hole in the ground because it's action-orientated, and keep that part, but not... Oh, I was... I, I get it. Again, I, I know where they were going to try and pick up the pace mm-hmm. and, and, you know, shorten it up. This is a story that very easily could have been a 90 minute edit instead of a 75. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that would not have hurt it. The rushing to get to the end with the new incidental music and this very sixties peppy jazz band, <laughs> James it, Bond. It feel. almost, it almost verges on a, almost a disco feel at some point, at some point. <laughs> and so. and it, it, it was distracting. And quite on, and after the second or third scene where it showed up, it became annoying <laughs> because it was it was almost overpowering the dialogue in some scenes. Really? Um, it, it, well, you, yeah, we, I think it, we've de- we we have decided that you have a poor sound mix for some reason. Oh sure, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, I didn't know uh, it was overpowering. The yeah, dialogue. I didn't either. I, I just was so devastatingly disappointed because it was like, oh, all right, this is going to be great. No, no, mm. it was not. It, it uh, and I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I, I suddenly thought about it that, that, that one shot of Barbara when she gets separated right at the beginning, mm-hmm. the cliffhanger, you mm-hmm. know, and the thing comes at her and then all of a sudden now it's not going to be a cliffhanger. And I, it, it suddenly dawned on me. It was like, how much of those kind of moments are we going to lose in these omnibus attempts that the, these things that distinctly stick out in our brains are suddenly now just and next scene and next scene. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, as soon as that one happened and it did exactly as I, I feared that it would, it was just kind of like, Oh man, this is going to be a rough ride. Uh, and yeah, it, it just didn't impress me the rest of the way through. And I think if this was, as you said, Glenn, we know what's missing. We mm-hmm. can kind of go back and, and fill in the paintbrush, as it were. If this was somebody's very first introduction to the Daleks, I I, I, I don't think they got it. I, I, I don't think they got the mysteriousness of Scaro and the... Um, the intrigue and the, the the real threat that the Daleks face or, or uh, uh, present, um, because it just it just it, it it falls into the very silly running about and uh, then we get there and we've defeated them. Ha ha! That's the end of it. And it just I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't like it. <laughs> I I did not like it. Having having teenagers and well and now a young adult um, kid. I, I think that they probably got 
everything that they were going to get out of that. And I had two kids that actually sat down and watched the entire series. And the Daleks is, to my detriment, is not their favorite story at all. And it is a lot of people's favorite story. But part of that is because they felt like it was too drawn out. They felt that the Dalek... Now, they haven't seen this color version. I haven't showed it to them yet. But they felt that that, that the, the Daleks were very unimpressive in the original series. So I think that's that's the target audience for this shorter, quicker, faster-paced, um, colorized version of this. And I think that's also why... It there's the energy and the excitement and the the pep you know pepping it up with the 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 music and obviously we're not the target fans. The nice thing is we still have the original. We we can go to it and watch it oh, at yeah. any time. So yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, and and it's it's not just us here because I've seen mixed reviews. There have been a lot of uh, classic fans that have said almost word for word what you're saying. Uh, Sean and pointing out a lot of the things that you said, Keith, but um, there's also on the other side, there's a lot of fans, new fans that are saying, you know, if they would do this to all of them, I could probably go back and watch them because now it feels like a new, not, you know, not exactly like a new who, but it's the same length and pacing and things like that. So I've seen people on the other side of it saying, you know, I could, I could probably watch some more classic who if this was the way they did it. So. I don't know. I, I didn't feel like the I, editing, they kept all of the wrong stuff. It yeah. was like, you know, well, I wouldn't have edited it that way, but okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I, I get the people who, you know, say that about how it feels like a newer story and then they could watch it. Not everyone has the, I don't know the right word, the, the sensibilities or the taste to be able to go back and watch those older pieces of media. Right. Not everyone right. can handle it. Right. Yeah. Well, we, we even I'm glad there was something you. for them to at least watch it. Right. right. Well, and I, I mean, I'm used to it because growing up, I watched universal monster movies all the time. So even some people can't even go into black and white and watch it. They just can't, it just yeah. blocks them completely. So right, right. I feel like I, at least even before we started the podcast had that, base i don't know skill i don't know if what the right word is but i i had that base that would allow me to appreciate the older stuff mm-hmm. and sometimes not appreciate the newer stuff because it's too fast-paced right right <laughs> all right well let's move on to the thing everybody's been waiting for and the thing that i've been waiting to review all well not just all day today but since about one thirty yesterday um, the new episode, Wild Bullet Yonder. You've got a synopsis for us, Keith? I do. But before we get into it, do you want to read some? No, do the, do the synopsis oh, first. Okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> I thought, I thought most of your feedback was Starbeast, not this. No, it's all this. Oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> yep. The TARDIS takes the Doctor and Donna to the furthest, the furthest edge of adventure. To escape, they must face the most desperate I'm going to start over. Okay. The TARDIS takes the Doctor and Donna to the furthest edge of adventure. To escape, they must face the most desperate fight of their lives with the fate of the universe at stake. Um, bum, bum. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Me too. Yeah. Well, before we do Absolutely. that, before we do our reviews, I did. Uh, we did put out there on Facebook and Twitter, we asked people to let us know what they thought. So we're going to quickly read a few reviews. 
On our Facebook page post, Rick said, Soaring old school Doctor Who reminiscent of Midnight and some of the very best Tenant era literary, literary and audio Who as well. It was so cerebral and so weird, the early scenes felt like a big finish tale and Tate, Tenant and Tate knocked it out of the park. Add, my arms are too long to the long list of classic chilling lines alongside, are you my mummy? And hey, who turned out the lights? Phenomenal. <laughs> Brian said, I loved it. It's the kind of a cross between Midnight and Big Finish audio uh, Scherzo, which I agree with, even though I wasn't a fan of Scherzo. Um, a great little bottle episode that allowed Tennant and Tate to flex their acting muscles even further. Again, the added Disney money made a pretty epic spaceship for them to run about in, though some of the underground corridors were a dead ringer for a low-budget um, for the low budget ones on red dwarf. I give this another 10 out of 10 like the star bees. And then of course there were some people that weren't so happy. Lisa said probably going to be in the minority here, but I didn't care for it all. I hated the pace, the storyline, and I fell asleep watching. And Russ also wrote, um, well, having caught up on the second doctor, uh, whose 60th anniversary special with a huge disappointment, it was, uh, what a huge disappointment it was to me personally. Oh, the performances were their usual high standards and it looked great, but against all the hype and buildup that I was given for me, it simply didn't measure up. The only storyline positives for me were the mention of the hads. If you know, you know, and the all too brief appearance of the legend that was Bernard Cribbins overall wild blue yonder was, uh, most like my school reports could do better. <laughs> and then over on the uh, listeners forum james wrote uh it was good but i enjoyed last week's special a little more i think the episode was kind of a filler i've been looking forward to the toy maker special next week and john said absolutely loved it the people that were upset about the lack of the past doctors and companions in this episodes must have already forgotten that this is exactly what it's uh getting right now a past doctor, new and improved Donna, and even Wilf. And we can't keep focusing on the past. We have to move forward at the same time. Two strong so stories so far, and I assume another one next week will bring casual fans back to the party, and hopefully they stick around for Christmas. The 60th specials are retrospective enough, but are mainly there to give the fans that left a jumping on point to rejoin. And that is what Shooty needs, a fair shot and an audience. And... I can see where he's coming from there. And then real quick over on Twitter, uh, Alex said, I've known for years that David Tennant is a great actor, but he really pulled off. He really pulled out all the stops for wild blue yonder. Phew. If only there was some kind of acting metal they could give him. Oh, well. <laughs> and then Patty said, loved it. Terrifying bonkers and brilliant. Wilf was the cherry on the cake. Superb television. So I want to thank those of you that uh, responded and uh, gave your input. And now we will give our input. I'm going to let Sean go first this time. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> Just wow. Uh, thought I knew where it was going based on a comment that uh, we made uh, on the podcast last time. And so I sat through, yeah, the first 35, 40 minutes of it going, okay, anytime now. Because I'm, I, you know, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I know where this is going, and it didn't go there. Oh, okay. I am wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, 
and I think the story was better for it. So, it, it, it. It became something completely different than what I thought I was expecting. And uh, not that, you know, not that I would have been disappointed had it been that, but it, it just, I, I, I love that everybody's comparing it to Midnight mm-hmm. because that totally is the vibe that I got from it. It, it, it just, I even commented, I said, this feels like Midnight. And everybody went, yeah. Um, we, we watched it, uh, as a group after a very long day, it was probably about midnight 30 when we started this. And I was a little concerned that maybe people were going to nod off and fall asleep. Uh, Mel had had a party, uh, uh, Saturday night. And so she was inputting stuff into her phone and completing an order. And usually we'll watch TV and she's, you know, on her phone and she'll kind of do the occasional glance up to keep track of what's going on and then back to whatever she's working on. That lasted all of five minutes <laughs> before the phone sat in her lap forgotten and all of the attention was diverted. And that's kind of when I knew, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, if, it, if it won her over that quick, there's, this is, there's something really good going on. Um, I, I loved just about everything about it. I, I loved the, uh, I loved the hads making a return appearance i love the design of this uh, creepy spaceship um the the plot element of why everything was doing what it was doing the absolutely confusing and yet very clever reveal that the doctor that walked in the room and is talking to donna and the donna that walked in the room is talking to the doctor all of a sudden (laughs) it's like Oh, this is not a time thing. This is happening at the same time. <laughs> One of the oh, th- these are imposters. Oh no, and, and and just the, you know, my arms are too long. <gasps> <laughs> Yikes. Um. Yeah, loved it. I have to ask, what was what was it we we or you said on the show last week where you thought it was going? Uh, the poster. Um, the, 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 the poster image that, uh, appeared for this one mm-hmm. with and, the robot uh, in the background, with the robot mm-hmm. in the background and Jimbo, uh, I, I had made the comments like, <laughs> did you guys notice the, 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 the poster image was the TARDIS. Oh, oh, right. The little shattered yeah, all, edges. Yeah. Of it. yeah. 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 And, um, so when they get out there into that long hallway and all of those pistons, which to my mind look very reminiscent of time rotors. Mm-hmm. I assumed that they had gotten folded into one of the interior dimensions of the ship while she was regenerating. And that's why the panels would flip every so often and that the doctor just wasn't catching on. But about the time they got to the cockpit and none of it was written in high Gallifreyan and he didn't understand the language, I was beginning to go, well, maybe not. (laughs) See, once the had stuff happened, I've, I've oh, okay, we're not right. doing a bottle episode in the TARDIS. This yeah, is somewhere else. Yeah, as soon as the TARDIS disappeared, um, I get. What'd you guys think of the uh, pre-credit sequence with them <laughs> crashing in the tree? <laughs> that was funny, and it makes me wonder what he's setting up because obviously it's something that he's establishing moving forward because the Mavity thing stuck around. It wasn't a one-off thing where oh, he eventually gets to realizing that's the word gravity it now has changed somewhat um kind of the past 
Yeah, I, I wondered myself if it was something that, that they're going to allude to later or if it really just was a running joke. Um, I suppose we'll find out <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, next week. But uh, part, of me, part of me part of me almost thinks they're just going to drop it. Joke. Yeah, uh, part of me thinks they're just going to drop it. Like for the next 10 years of Doctor Who, it's Mavity. <laughs> you know, oh you want it to keep being a running joke I, I want it to be you know me I flogged egg horses I want this to be a thing where they did change history and we're stuck with it now mm. uh, I, Obviously, I, that end, would, though, he says gravity and then has to correct himself so Donna understands right, it. So that's something right. that makes me well, also the, think that the doctor obviously is going to be readdressed yeah the doctor's obviously somewhat aware that there's a change there so I, I want every black hole to be a Mavity well. I want, I just, yes. Um, I think that that scene is, although there is still some comedy in this episode, that scene I think was purposely done in order to, because that's really our first and only gag in the whole thing because it does get very deep and dark and there are some funny lines that are said, but we don't have that upbeat fun doctor who that we sometimes get in, uh, in our stories and it gets really heavy. And so I think it was well done and well placed because I think it was a, okay, here's your little light humor before we really delve into something that's going to be very dark. (laughs) But the darkness and everything in it is so well done. Oh, so absolutely. Well, I mean, I would say balanced, but I mean, it's there. It's the whole time. There's not really a lot of light and and lifting you up and then going back down the dark. But yeah. it's, it's so well executed and so well thought out every single step of the way that I didn't miss the humor and the everything, the normal Doctor Who-ness because it was such a good kind of it goes to that serious dark place that Doctor Who sometimes does. Mm-hmm. And it did it so well that I was just sucked in the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. I also like that they don't gloss over the stuff that happened in uh, Flux yes. particularly. And I think it's even more powerful when he's talking about he's the reason why, you know, half the galaxy or half the uh, universe is gone. He And he and Harry blames himself even though it wasn't his fault. She says it's not your fault. And, but all of that. But then when he gets into that corridor again, lone, and he just has that fit where he starts banging on the thing because it's just the, the, I don't want to, the, um, the weight of that. I think it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I almost did it, but I thought that would be inappropriate. <laughs> the mavity of it. Yeah, the mavity of it. Um, but it just, it, you know, it, him having, him dealing with that again, I thought that was really, really well done, but not, not heavy handed either. It wasn't like, Oh, we're going to shove this down your throat because you know, this is still a thing and doctor who, and I'm glad it is, but I think they played it really, really well. And what's, what's, what struck me at while watching it was how Chibnall didn't have the 13th doctor deal with the ramifications right. of it really. Right. And now I'm so glad that Russell picked it up and started to work with it because that is a huge thing yeah. that, the doctor needs to deal with and we need to see him them dealing with that mm-hmm. and the fact that we just kind of went on of okay we're all, we're having fun now oh well, now the master's up to some mischief and we got to right. deal with that it just the gravity the mavity of what happened 
needed to be more import. And I think that was part of what the sea devil story didn't do right mm-hmm. was it didn't have the doctor kind of grappling. It had the doctor running and right. while the doctor can run, they need to have the moments of dealing with what has happened in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. That was, that was one of the big reasons that elevated this entire story for me was the connection to flux and the ramifications impacting the doctor emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody on uh, Twitter I saw had, uh, said that I, I wonder if we just witnessed the ravenists uh first encounter with this universe i don't know enough about the ravenous but well that was the it. that was the two well that was the two um not ravenous um uh, what were the two from 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 the flux storyline the oh weren't they called the ravenous no, the Ravenous is Big Finish. Oh, that's right. What were they called? Ravenger? Ravengers? What were Vanquishers they was the last story. Vanquishers. Maybe that's what it was. Anyway, yeah. They said, did we just see how the, the Vanquishers entered our universe? Now. That would be cool. It would, ha- it would be wibbly wobbly because obviously they're on the edge of the universe because of, at least, it's implied that this is the edge of now the known universe because of the flux. But it could have been a little edge of the inner universe before the flux. And we're just, he's just assuming that this is what it is now. And this is in the past. And this is how maybe, I mean, I just thought it was kind of an interesting take on that. I'm not sure that that's where they're going with it, but. They are ravagers. Ravager. Ravager. Ravager, not ravenger. Ravager. Okay. Yeah. That darn extra letter made me think you were talking big finish. <laughs> well, when you said that, then I realized, oh, wait, yeah, those were in that story we listened to and in a lot of Paul McGann that we haven't yet. So, Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting idea that also means that the resolution, which I thought was great, doesn't really make a difference and they die. Right. Or right. they don't die. So, I mean. Right. I think that if I were to if I were to tick it off for anything that was a negative about it is I did feel like some of the CG was a bit dodgy. Um, I think that they the ship looked great, but I think there were times that we were I could tell that they had been shooting against a green screen. And I don't like when I can notice that kind of thing. Um, it didn't, it wasn't enough to take me out of the story, but there were certainly moments where I, I was like, they're obviously on a soundstage. And I think that this is done this way. Somebody speculated that maybe this was done the way it was done because Russell was able to save some money and get a third special out of it. That maybe originally it would have been just two specials, but he could stretch it by doing something in the bottle. And then also I saw somebody, uh, remind me that oh well they shot this during covid so this is a great story to do in that case because it's just the doctor and donna and for near the entire episode it's just the two and so they wouldn't have had to been as stringent with covid protocols at least with their main actors in that case because you wouldn't have a lot of actors without masks uh, around each other so I thought, oh, and I guess I suppose that's pretty clever that they were able to do this. But yeah, that was my own, one of my only nitpicks was the fact that I felt like the um, 
green screen was just a little bit dodgy. Yeah, I, I, I had that thought a couple times too, but then the story wound up... And, and once they kind of got out of that main hallway, I didn't mm-hmm. really think that as much. There right. were a couple times when the the not things were the massive size. I was like, oh, okay, that's the, that, that CGI is a little dodgy, but well, I think what was, I think what too bad. I think what helped with those were they would also disfigure the forms because they weren't quite figuring yeah. out how to do shape, and so I think that kind of helped that dodginess because it was like it was almost part of the story. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not sure who said it, but having Wilf show up at the end was the absolute cherry on top of the mm-hmm. cake. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I feel better. you guys understand, though, that that's the <laughs> that's only scene that we get. That he's not in next week's episode. That that was what they shot, and that's what they were able to use. They uh, Russell said in a statement today that they had, and they had written more. They had intended to use him more. And he came to the table read and everything was great. But then when they got on set, that was really kind of all they could do at that point. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm glad we got that. I'm glad we got what we got. Yeah, so. absolutely. I had a little tear in my eye when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys figure out that, you know, when they said the door opened three years ago, that somebody had left. Assumed, <laughs> somebody had left the ship. I assume that too. <laughs> yeah. I assume the same thing. And I think they do a good job because they, they said the door had been open three years ago. And of course there's nobody on the ship. So my first thought is to go to, well, whoever it was left the ship that way, but either they do one a, person or everybody. <laughs> they do a good job with Donna supposing that they, that must've been when they got in. And so I kind of then maybe sort of bought that maybe that was why the door was open so that they could get in or that's how they got in. But then when it's revealed that it was the pilot that left because of that to keep the, uh, keep them from figuring out what she done, then I was back to, okay, well that makes sense that somebody left. Now it doesn't explain how they got in initially, but no, but, and I didn't see why she had, she had left. The, the, the fact that she had set up a right, uh, right. truck. I, I did not see that coming either. So right. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, uh, I totally <laughs> thought as soon as they talked about the airlock, it was like, oh, somebody left the ship. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're out there staring into the void, I, it, I in, to my mind, it's a very easy leap mm-hmm. to make that they couldn't handle it and they leaped mm-hmm. <laughs> that they they, yeah. they they went nuts and opened the door and out they, Killed out they went every, I, I assumed that it was kind of like an event horizon type thing where you know yeah. somebody went mad on the ship and killed everybody by opening that airlock door mm-hmm. and i i wonder how much of the event horizon vibe is because of the long hallway oh yeah oh that's yeah. true you know yeah. I, I wonder if that just is immediately where our brains went because of the uh physical similarities to it um, Although you know, until I just said it, I I hadn't actually connected Event Horizon. Well, but I wonder if maybe it was subconscious. It, but it had to have been. Yeah. Subconscious. yeah, I definitely got it subconsciously. I kept thinking that. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. Donna kind of cemented over that with that's how they got in. Mm-hmm. 
And so then my brain went and played with that for a while. Um, <laughs> it wasn't until the clunk. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I loved the, the, the whole standing there, the, 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 the Mexican standoff as it were, where they're standing on either sides of the, of the partition. Just think, just don't think. Okay. Calm. All right. Well, but what about this? Uh, don't you do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you could you could just see that he's this—he's like an F1 racer idling, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden somebody steps on the gas. Yep. <laughs> yep. It was so in character too, especially with the way Tennant's always performed that—the character—and mm-hmm. you could say that for any of the most recent Doctors, but specifically him pulling it off that way, I thought it was really, mm-hmm. really well done. And Donna sometimes is brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's the one who will call her that more often than she mm-hmm. will. Yeah. Now, the ending. You've got the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I like how he tried to write it off of, well, the wrist was just barely too big. No, he didn't know that. Well, until her reaction to being no. inside the TARDIS wasn't what he thought it was. No, 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 no. The TARDIS told him that that was off, mm. and that's what was on that display, because oh, you okay. you saw okay. the little things light up, okay. and it was the same coding that was on that ship, and that's when he turns around to her, and so he the TARDIS is who tipped him off that this isn't this isn't Donna. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I gathered from that. I could see that. Moment. Yeah. Um. Do we like that? So well, so what bothered me about it is is that I I want I've seen it twice because I watched it once on my own and then uh, the girls were out today so or not yet today yesterday at noon and so they had to watch it later in the afternoon so I rewatched it with them and the first time I thought maybe I had just missed her explanation for why they called what was it Mrs Bean yeah and. I thought maybe I just missed it but because I couldn't figure out why he picked the other one. And then, so I listened very closely and Donna still says some, and I don't even, I, to now I don't even know. I mean, I know I heard it this time, but I can't remember now what she says, but it still seemed very nonsensical. And I thought that didn't seem like Donna, but then I thought, okay, the well, answer that's the why I gave made more sense than the answer that the real Donna gave. Yeah. Okay, Cause the, the, what, the did, she, what did she say the fake, then? The fake, the fake Donna said, it just is. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the real Donna says something because it's a woman with the vegetable for a name. Oh, is that what those, she said? Okay, so maybe I still missed what she lines. said. Yeah. I thought it was, the, both times I heard it, it sounded like her coming up with something. And I thought, okay, well, that's why the doctor chooses the other Donna because she sounds like she's making something up on the spot. And so maybe if I felt that way, I can justify why the doctor felt that way too. But I, I, I totally thought the same thing the doctor did, but of course throughout most of this, when they aren't sure of who the other person is, I wasn't either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There were, uh, except for the, you know, initial once it kind of reveals they reveal themselves all those times where, you know, he takes off his tie and he puts it on the ground. Oh, like, oh that must be man. the actual doctor. Yeah. I, that <laughs> sold it to me. I thought, oh, that's a good idea because now the other doctor won't know and they won't have a tie. 
But boy, was that a great reveal when she says, where's your tie? Where'd it, yeah. <laughs> Where'd your tie go? <laughs> and I totally and bought then, that it was yeah. Donna until she's melted into a puddle. And so. then he <laughs> figures out, he goes, oh, so when it goes away, it still exists. And I thought yeah. that's, that's how that kind of being would learn. And I thought that was so well presented. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how I, I don't know if I like the fact that the doctor grabs the Donna that makes sense in that situation because it's a woman with a vegetable for a name is totally something weird that an alien would come up with and because it just is is totally something Donna would say yeah but then to find out that that was wrong it was like hmm <laughs> I like it when my doctor's a little smarter than this <laughs> I mean I get the cliffhanger heroics at the last minute but still <laughs> Well, and, you know, I could kind of also chalk it up to him choosing the wrong one of it's been 15 years since he spent time with Donna. And so they're he's kind of getting to know her again. Like yeah, they're falling into true. their rhythm of what they used to know, but they've grown and changed so much as this story has demonstrated, um, especially with the doctor himself and some with Donna, that they're still getting to know each other again. Mm-hmm. So well, they've both grown as a people. large part. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a large part of why I can kind of be okay with him choosing the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Well, and because realistically they chose the wrong person every single time mm-hmm. throughout the whole episode. Almost. Yeah. You know, well, so. you're right, but you're also, you have to give them a little bit of credit that they chose the wrong people, but they always seem to get paired up separated from the other with the wrong person. So it was, right. it was very much a, you had to co- sort of piece it together and figure it out anyway, but you're right. It there was a lot of times and a lot of their conversations are great. One of the examples would have been when, uh, he says, uh, she says, where am I, where am I from? Where was I born? And he guesses because he does, even the doctor doesn't know that backstory about where, you know, her aunt, and whatever her yeah. you know, chaotic explanation of that ended up going, he didn't know that he, she had never told him that. So it didn't matter who, which one he was. He didn't know that answer to that. How am I supposed to know that? <laughs> right. So. Well, and, but they did kind of, when it was all four of them in a room together, you know, at the, before the final race to the cockpit again, mm-hmm. they were pretty in sync that way. To, yep sync up and figure out who was the real versions of them. So. Yes. Yes. Which I, which I applauded because I thought you have to get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that, you know, there were so many times that they were not quite sure and they were getting, it just shows the progress of these beings being mm-hmm. able to replicate them very yeah. well too. Yeah. And the threat that that is to the universe. Although I have to say the, the motivations behind these beings of, we want to go, cause havoc it, it was a bit thin but everything else about the story was so good i was willing to excuse it well, some people do just want to watch the world burn and i'm okay with that but i think that they did a good job of saying that when they said we we all of the hate and the war projected out to them and that's what made them and then donna says well that's not all we are and she's well the, then the other donna says well the love letters don't carry as far and I mm-hmm. thought, okay, that that's kind of enough for me to understand mm-hmm. why they are the way they are. 
So I, I bought it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I liked that. And uh, I, I was okay with, with that. I also really, once we get Donna back in the TARDIS at the end and we, we, we kind of have our moment of reflection on dealing with Flux um, and how she just quietly asks, are you okay? Oh, I will be. When? In a million years. And he, you know, he kind of gives her a number. And the, the, the impact of that, because it sounds flippant, mm-hmm. and it sounds like it's a, it's a not answer. But yet knowing that he is a Time Lord and he is essentially immortal and that he's, at, at this point, thousands of years old... Mm-hmm. Well, possibly billions, depending on how you want to interpret the confession dial. Um, or even million, before the confession dial, before you know, he actually became the doctor, who knows how old. Yeah, yeah, now that we, we've got that, a million years is still a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is something that's going to haunt him. And that he can say that and be semi-joking and flippant about it, but Donna knows mm-hmm. that, you know, that this is going to haunt him for a while. Right. That was that was a really cool moment too. So, I'm really excited about next week, though. I'm I'm really afraid of next week. Yeah, I, I'm 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 really well, enjoying as good as these last two have been. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying uh, David Tennant and and uh, Catherine Tate again, and it's going to be feel so short lived by next week. I'm going to feel like that wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. And they've done a very interesting thing with these coming one on top of another that um, there will not really be an opportunity for Big Finish to come along and insert. Yeah, right. Right. There's no wiggle room there. No wiggle room. Which maybe Russell T. Davis has <laughs> orchestrated on purpose. <laughs> Which is a shame because I I'm I like ten ten's been good but mm-hmm. I like I, I almost like fourteen more because it feels like David Tennant knows a little bit more how to play the character and maybe because it feels like he's also not he the dialogue in this and the way his behavior is also demonstrated this is not ten point two this right. is fourteen and. I, getting more than just three specials with 14 i feel like i I would want that Mm -hmm. more than what we're getting right hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the doctor who target book club podcast the only podcast to discuss in story order all the doctor who novelizations my name is tony whip and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Well, Sean, that's going to be another easy one. What do we got coming up on the schedule? The Giggle. 
That's it. That's all that's coming. No. <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> that's pretty much it uh, next week. All I mean, we I, need. <laughs> we're, we'll be focused on, on that. So, Yeah, very much so. And then, uh, of course, we get a week uh, off uh, from New Who, and then uh, we return on Christmas with the church on Rose Lane. Mm-hmm. And then we go back into the depression mode where there is no New Who on. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll be short term, though. Hopefully it'll be short term. And, of course, we still have plenty of other things in the pipeline for you. Yes. So stay tuned. All right. Of course, you can uh, stay up to date on TravelingTheVortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link and support us there. And uh, also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. And make sure you join in on the conversations on our listeners' forum on Facebook, on our Facebook page, on X, which is formerly Twitter, and also on TikTok and Instagram. And of course, uh, we will again pose the question next week, what you thought on our social media sites. So you can go there and let us know what you thought of the giggle as well. Anything else before we close this program? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.